So how many dads have we got here with us today? If you're a dad or a granddad, won't you stand very quickly? Come on, dads, where are you? There we go. Let's give them a huge round of applause. Awesome. Stay stacked. I want to... I want to remind you, dads, what an amazing privilege and responsibility. No, 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 keep standing just for a moment. We want to pray for you. I want to remind you what a huge privilege and responsibility it is to be a dad. The investment we make into our kids, grandkids, that's the greatest investment that we can make. And so uh, all the rest of us, why don't you stretch out your hands towards uh, one of the dads around you. And Father, I want to just pray right now for every dad that's here. Father, thank you for the dads you've given us. And Father, I want to pray for these men standing right here, that you would anoint them and fill them with your Holy Spirit to be outstanding fathers, to be a father like you are a heavenly father to us, that you would give them courage and boldness to know when to be firm, when to be tender, to when to be gracious, when to be strict. Father, that you would fill them with the love of Christ overflowing that you would equip us and skill us to be effective and fruitful dads. So bless them and strengthen them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Why don't you take your seats and uh, hope you get spoiled today and uh, looked after well. And and of course, that means I'm going to cheat a little bit this morning. If you're new to Outlook Church, we're doing this journey called I Am, which is not about us. It's about our Heavenly Father. You see, God's name, Yahweh, means I am who I am. And the Bible tells us those who know his name will trust in him. The Bible tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. We want to know the name of our God. We've looked at Jehovah Adonai, sovereign God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And I'm going to cheat a little bit. And today I'm going to talk about God, our Father. This is not one of those Old Testament Jehovah something names, but this is the name of God, Abba father now here's the thing to call God father from a Jewish perspective if you were an Old Testament Jew growing up if you had to call God your father well that'll be that's that's like blasphemous because to call someone your father means you of that same family means you of the same class means you equal with that person which is why in the Old Testament they wouldn't even say Yahweh. It was too sacred. They'd, they'd come up with different names for God because it's too sacred to even say his name. Imagine calling him Father. And yet, through Jesus, we have this incredible privilege. I want to take a quick moment to show you how this revelation of God actually being our Father, they got a glimpse of it in the Old Testament And then, of course, in Jesus, it was fulfilled. And now, for you and I, this is the primary relationship we have with God, is knowing Him as Father. So here's the first glimpse we get in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 11 to 14. Not sure if the Scriptures are going to be able to work for you. If you can read them, you might just have to listen carefully uh, this morning. But what happened was King David... Um, that man after God's own heart, this incredible king, God had used him mightily to win battles. And he'd built his palace and he's saying, but God, it's not right. I'm living in this palace and, and while the Ark of the Covenant, your presence is still in a tent, I want to build you a temple. I want to build you a house. And then God comes to him through Nathan the prophet and says, when your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, speaking to David, God says, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. 
He's the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. And of course, David heard this. And who's he thinking about? Solomon. Solomon, he's going to be my son. He's going to be the temple. God's going to love him. And God's going to be a father to him. He's going, yay. But he didn't realize probably at the time that what God had just said is so much bigger than that. In fact, so many times when you get a prophetic word, there's a a short-term answer and then there's a bigger answer as well. God was revealing something to David. One of your sons, one of your offspring will become that king who sits on your throne and I will be a father to him. He will be my son and his throne will last forever. Who is he speaking about? Jesus. Do you know why Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem? See, God arranged, even through the Roman Empire, arranged, let's have a census. Why? To send them all back to their hometowns. Why did Mary and Joseph have to go to Bethlehem? Because they were descended from David. Which means Jesus, born, was a legal descendant of David. So one of your offsprings, not just Solomon, that's the short-term answer. The real offspring is Jesus. And Jesus will be that son And I will be a father to him. And as a father, what would God do? God says, I will establish his kingdom. He'll be a son who will build a house for me. The son's throne will last forever. God will be his father and he'll be his son. God will never take his love from him. So we get this prophetic glimpse. The son is coming. The son is coming. I will be his father. He will be my son. But then we get a few other glimpses of just what kind of father he's going to be. Have a look at some of these examples. In Psalm 68 verse 5, it says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. That's the kind of father he is. Defender, father to the fatherless. In Psalm 89 verse 26, He will call out to me, You are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. He's a protecting father. That's who we serve. Isaiah 63, 16, but you are our father. Through Ab- though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, you, Lord, are our father, our redeemer from old. Of old is your name. He's a caring father. Isaiah 64, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are clay and you are the potter. We all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. He's a merciful father. Malachi 1.6 says, As a son honors his father, a slave his master. If I'm your father, where's the honor due me? If I'm a master, where's the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. He's a father who's wanting an authentic father-son relationship with his children. And so right through the Old Testament, we saw this prophetic word. My son is coming. I will establish his throne. I will be his father. Then we see glimpses of what the father will be like. And then Jesus arrives. And we have this amazing scene where, where Jesus is baptized. And he comes up out of the water. And it says heaven was opened. As soon as Jesus was baptized in Matthew three sixteen and 17, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son. I want you to realize just the power and impact of those words. 
the God of heaven, speaking to a, a man, people were looking around, he, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I'm well pleased. And so God declares his fathership over Jesus, declaring Jesus co-equal, which is so huge. The oldest son, remember the extension of the father. And so Jesus walks in this incredible relationship, this father-son relationship. They honor each other. They serve each other. And then something radical is revealed. That this father is just not just the father to Jesus, but then Jesus reveals the father as an adopting father. See, the Bible tells us in John 1, verses 12 and 13, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, friends, we have the privilege right now. If we receive Christ, the Son, we are drawn into the family and become sons. And that means you ladies as well. I'm part of the bride of Christ. You're a son of God. Deal with it. Okay. But here's the thing. If you are willing to receive this son, then you are drawn into sonship in Christ in the family. And then we no longer serve God as a distant God. Yes, he is Jehovah Adonai, Lord God Almighty, sovereign, but he's my father. He is Jehovah Jireh who will provide and he's my father. This revelation, knowing God as your father, brings an intimacy, a tenderness, a wonder. In fact, I was reflecting, and I want to just share with you a couple of things. What does it mean? And I've been pondering in my own life, what does it mean to be able to call God my father? Well, firstly, I want us to realize that the ultimate destination for a Christian is not heaven. It's the father. That's, that's the gold at the end of the rainbow, not heaven, the Father. When Jesus said, and remember in John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to heaven. No, no one comes to the Father but by me. In other words, Jesus knew the ultimate. What makes heaven heaven is not gold streets and clouds and rainbows. No, no. What makes heaven heaven is the Father is there. That's, I am your great reward. That's what makes heaven amazing. And we can get a taste of heaven now because we can walk in a father-son relationship with our God. I was reflecting. I've got a, a great dad, and hopefully, dad, if you're watching, happy Father's Day. And uh, I was reflecting on some of those moments when I grew up. And uh, I mean, we did some great things. I remember uh, I used to ride off-road bikes in Transkei. I lived down in the South Coast. And uh, Wednesday afternoons, I'd often play nine holes of golf uh, together. And, and I loved doing those things. I loved the motorbike riding. I loved playing golf. But the highlight, now that I think about it, was actually doing it with dad. I mean, it's good, you can do it with your mates, but actually it was just the time spent with dad. That's the great reward, actually. We get to do life with our father. That's what takes the mundanities of life and the drab and the whirlwind and makes it something amazing when we realize we can do life with our father. But another thing is, uh, is I want us to realize that in our father, in this father-son relationship, we step into an inheritance that we did not earn, do not deserve, but is freely given. It's, uh, 
It's an amazing thing. Remember God's promise to David. You see, we step into this. When, when that prophetic word to David came, and actually God was speaking about his son Jesus, he said, God will establish his kingdom. We step into that. Our Father is using us to build the kingdom of God here on earth. The Son will build a house for the Lord. That wasn't just the Old Testament temple. This is the house, not the physical building, the church. We become part of an inheritance. We get to work with Jesus, building the church here on earth. The Son's throne will last forever. We get to walk in that authority that Jesus has given us to bring the reign of God onto earth. God will be his Father and he will be the Son. God will never take his love from him. Inheritance is an amazing thing. Uh, Kate's grandfather, was, uh, he passed away many years ago. He was an amazing man of God, just a lovely man. And I think Kate and I had probably only been married, I don't know, seven, eight years or something. And, and when he passed away, how many was it? can't remember. just seems a long time ago. Well, there we go. Anyway, I got an inheritance. I mean, I thought, wow, that's amazing. I can understand why Kate and her brother and sister get an inheritance. But even as married into the family, I got an inheritance from him. And it was the perfect amount to buy a brand new dishwasher. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And, and, and let me tell you, let me tell you, every time I close that dishwasher, it's like, thank you, Jesus, for Kate's grandfather. Now, here's the point. The point is, I mean, he worked for that. He ran this clothing business, and for years and years he retired late. I mean, he worked hard. It was his money that was now my dishwasher. Only because I married well did I get into that inheritance. But because of that, I get what I didn't earn, didn't deserve. You step into an inheritance when you step into a family. Friends, we've stepped into the most amazing family. We've stepped into the promise that God gave to Jesus, which now becomes ours. It's a beautiful thing. Here's something else. When we understand this father-son relationship, we truly learn to trust the love of our heavenly father. Just like Adam here, my son, trusts in my love for him because he's naughty. <laughs> but he just knows. He knows. He knows that dad and mom still love him. No matter what happens, dad and mom still love him. Do you trust the love of your heavenly father, or do you think that love is conditional based on your performance, your obedience, or your ability? In Luke 15, remember the, the son, the prodigal son who'd blown it, and then he came back. Verse 21 to 24, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. The son realized that day that this father's love is unconditional. Do you trust the love of your father? Is it that which brings you the greatest strength in life when you've blown it, messed up? Do you still, like Adam, allow your sin to separate you from your father? Or realizing what Jesus has done, who's dealt with my sin, when I blow it, I don't run from him, I run to him. We come boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It reminded me way back when I was uh, 18 years old and we were on holiday and uh, my dad lent me his car and I crashed it. And I just knew in that moment, I need my dad right now. 
I, I don't want to. I don't want to run away. I need to run to him. I know in this moment he's not going to be mad at me. In this moment he knows I'm going to need him, and I know in this moment that he's going to take care of things and sort things out for me because I know that I am more valuable to my dad than his car. Do you know that? Do you know that? Because when we realize, when we have that revelation of our value to our Father, that's what draws us to Him and not drives us from Him. Make sense? It's huge and it's so powerful and important in our lives. What about this? We learn to trust the Father's plan and process. Because our Father loves us, He is working all the time to grow us and mature us and develop us as mature sons. In Luke chapter 15, remember the older brother. We've just heard the younger brother messed up and he had to realize the unconditional love of the father. The older son had to realize that this father wasn't looking for slaves, but was looking for mature sons. He wanted to develop the sons, his oldest son, the older brother. The older brother in Luke chapter 15 verses 28 became angry and refused to go in. He was miffed when they celebrated his brother's return. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. See, this bride, he didn't understand sonship. He didn't understand that the father's not looking for a servant. He's looking for a son to do things with him. I got a puncture on on my car a couple of months back. Walk to the garage in the morning. I'm sure you've had that before and you see a slight tilt to the car. And you notice back wheel, passenger side, flat as a pancake. And I made my son fix it while I did nothing. It was hot. He was sweating profusely. And I just sat there and I watched. And I made him. I made him. Now, you might think slave labor, maybe. But it wasn't, actually. It wasn't. I I watched him fix that tire and change it. Not because I'm a bad dad, well, I'm trying not to be, but actually because I want to be a good dad. I want to know that when he drives backwards and forwards because he's just got his license down to Durban and back to Varsity, I want to know that if he gets a puncture on the road somewhere along the line, he's not going to park on the side of the road, cry and phone mom. He's going to fix it because he's been trained and taught and can now walk through difficulties. That's what your father's doing in your life right now. He's trying to grow you and mature you as sons of God who can learn like Jesus to sleep through the storms because you know your father's got this, I can trust him. To know how to deal with opposition in your life, that actually my father is at work. To know what to do in difficult situations because I know, Father, your will, and I know how you would do it, and so that's how I'm going to do it. Our father is at work, not trying to keep us as babies, but to mature us as sons. Do you trust the process of your father? Just because he's not doing it, doesn't mean to say he's not involved. I was involved just at an overseeing level. (laughs) In the same way, your father is involved wanting us to develop the spiritual muscle, the anointing, the strength he's placed inside of us so that we can overcome. We learn to lean into sonship 
and not to lean away from it. You see, the very spirit, the, the spirit that keeps us in relationship with our Father is the spirit of sonship. Not religiousness, sonship. Let me give you an example. Romans 8, verses 14 to 17, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. The Spirit that keeps us locked into the Father is the Spirit of Sonship. Now, I have the privilege of, of having my biological dad. They live in George. But then I've got a second dad as well. The Reverend Thompson. Now, Kate's dad, obviously, I mean, I, I met him, what, almost 28 years, I suppose, two years before we got married or three years before we got married. And let me be honest with you, I was a little bit intimidated. I mean, he is a Reverend Thompson, you know, in a denominational church with the gowns and with the dog collar and the strictness. And I was a little bit intimidated because he was quite strict. Plus, I was I was trying to date his baby daughter, so that adds a whole big factor into that as well. Plus, he gets really mad. He yells at the TV a lot during the rugby. So I was a little bit intimidated. And, but here's the thing. When, when Kate and I got married, the spirit of that relationship changed. Now, I don't know if you can remember what it was like when you got married somewhere along the line. And, and for the last couple of years, it's been, hello, Reverend Thompson. Nice to see you, Reverend Thompson. And then you get married and it's like, Dad. <laughs> it's kind of awkward. Just there, There's that transition time. But now for the last 25 years that we have been married, I've d- discovered the joy and privilege of an amazing father-son relationship with her dad. He's not Reverend Thompson anymore. He's his dad. And as a, as a minister with so many years of experience, he's been an incredible mentor and advisor and has now become a friend. And now I can even tease him, which is great. In other words, the, the spirit of that relationship changed when I became part of the family. And the same with us. Do you serve a God who is distant, a God who's a judge, a God who's far from you? Or is it the spirit of sonship? And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Last one. When we understand this father-son relationship, we begin to enjoy living our lives, working with the father. Even in the daily grind of the factory, at work, at the school, wherever you might be, you begin to do things with your father rather than for your father or your father is someone you visit at church on Sunday. No, no, you realize I can do all of life with my father. It says in John chapter 14, verses 10 to 14. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Wow. Imagine that. Jesus said, no, no, it's the Father living in me doing his work. And we are in Christ. Christ is in us. He's in the Father. I don't know how all that works. But by the Holy Spirit, this is what we dream of. Rather, it's the Father in me doing his work. In other words, Jesus wasn't supposed to work hard. He was supposed to let the Father work through him. Are you working hard, spinning plates, busy, 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 or are you learning with your Father to allow your Father to work through you? 
Believe me, when I say that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do these works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may glory be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I'll do it. That's what Jesus is saying. The Father wants to work with you, in you, through you, so that together... You do great things. I remember years back, uh, we, had, uh, we were living in Howick at the time, and the cousins were coming to visit. You know, those cousins from uh, Gauteng. And, uh, and of course, there wasn't enough room, and they were staying a while, so uh, let's just put the caravan in the backyard. Makes perfect sense. And so my dad hitched up the caravan. We brought it around into the backyard. The plan was going perfectly until he was driving out of the backyard. And then something went crack in the back corner of the car, tilted down. And we realized, hey, there's a septic tank under here, which had now completely caved in. Fortunately, the car wasn't a problem. We could get that out of the way. But what it meant is that for the rest of the day, my father and my two brothers and I were this deep in, in stuff... <laughs> While we had to dig out the broken lid and cave in and all of that and put a new lid and restore that septic tank. Now, here's the thing. It was the worst job, but actually it was the most fun day. It actually turned out to be, we just laughed our whole way through the day because actually, I don't know why, it was just quite fun being this deep in stuff. And yet, with dad involved, we, we just had, and I remember all these years later, I remember it as being... A fun day. You see, it wasn't what we were doing. It was who we were doing it with. What you're going through right now would be totally different if you went through it with your father rather than trying to go through it alone. Even that, that boss at work, you know, that's probably hierarchy of Satan's legions, whatever. <laughs> Actually, with your father, with your father, you can find a way to deal with that boss. With that job that's so boring or this, you, with your father, you can find a way to find joy and fruitfulness and effectiveness in that situation. Work with your father and let him work with you. This is the greatest joy and adventure in life. Let me land. On this Father's Day, my prayer is that we would have a revelation of the fact that we have the perfect father-son relationship available to each one of us in Christ. Now, you might have had a bad father biologically or no father here on earth, but you have access to the heavenly father. In fact, I was sitting with a, with a lady, uh, I don't know, about two years ago, and as she began to unpack her story, my, my heart broke, honestly. She was absolutely confused in terms of identity. Everything in life was just a mess, confused, in depression, broken. And as her story came out, it was just over and over, this, this is what my dad did, this is what my dad I just realized, and I said to her, honestly, you've had a bad father. And it's your bad father that has led you into this mess. But there's good news. If you want, you can begin to walk with the perfect father who will walk you out of the mess. That's how you're going to get out of the mess you might be in right now. It's not a quick prayer. No, no. It's going to be walking with your father out of the mess in his family with him working through you is going to take you from glory to glory and strength to strength. 
I want to ask you today, do you know God as your Father? Why don't you stand with me, please? If you feel comfortable, just to close your eyes and even lift your hands if you're comfortable. Jesus, you taught us to pray, our Father. What a privilege. What an incredible, incredible privilege to be able to call you Father. And Father, as we stand in your presence this morning, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would give us such a revelation of what it means to have you as our perfect heavenly Father. Lord God, let this revelation become real this morning. I pray for some who've had bad father on earth experiences that that you this morning would restore hope, would restore faith, would restore a vision to learn to walk with the perfect father. Thank you, Jesus, that you've opened the door. Thank you, Jesus, that you've extended the family. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made it possible to walk in sonship with the Father. Father, I pray, let this go deep into our hearts. Let it bear fruit, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Just while our eyes are closed, just for a moment. You might be here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with your heavenly Father because you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord. Remember, to those who received Jesus, they were given the right to become children of God. And right now, you'd know this if it was you because the Holy Spirit, He kind of, He does something in our hearts. It's like a nudging, like a knocking, like a something going on in our hearts. That's how the Holy Spirit will be saying to you, you, it's your turn today to respond. And if that's you, I'd love you to put up your hand quickly. I'm not going to call you to the front, but I would like to pray with you. So is there anyone like that right now who would be brave enough to put their hand up and say, yes, that's me? Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to pray for those responding right now that you would put courage and faith inside of their hearts to surrender all and say, Jesus, I bow my knee to you. And Father, I'm coming running to you right now. Father, I pray that you would radically save them. I pray that you'd wash away their sin through the blood of Jesus and that you would begin to walk a father-son journey with them. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that your gracious hand rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen.